BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. It's Thursday, and you know what that means. That means it's time to ignite the dynamite the day after it happens. Hey, I'm Will Washington. Welcome to another edition of Day After Dynamite. I'm not alone here, though. I'm never alone here. Usually, if I am alone, I'll just can the show for another week. But this week, not alone, because I am joined by one of my favorite minds in pro wrestling media, I guess if you want to consider yourself that, Mr. Garrett Kidney. I am wrestling media. I do have random people who hate me in my mentions. I think that's what qualifies you as wrestling media. <laughs> Absolutely qualifies you for wrestling media. How are you doing, Garrett? I'm doing pretty good. It's Eurovision semifinals night. It's a very important night over here in this part of the world. Ireland probably won't make it out of the semis, which is quite upsetting. But mm -hmm. it's it's I'm participating that counts. That's what they all say, right? That is what they all say. They do you have say... any Eurovision knowledge? Zero. Oh, it's the, it's the WrestleMania of European <laughs> singing. So every year, oh. there's this Eurovision Song Contest where every country sends a song, and then there's uh -huh. a winner that's determined the best song in Europe that year. And it is pure spectacle. It's like <laughs> fireworks and lights and people wearing ridiculous outfits. It's as good as you could possibly hope for any kind of song contest spectacle. And it's amazing. And it's the best. I was totally not aware of this existence. I think I was. But I always just assumed when people talked about Eurovision that they were talking about like a sport of some sort. And I guess yeah. this is kind of sport. But it's a rich, uh... the only sport that matters: singing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, and so we're talking about AEW Dynamite. Took place last night. It was live from the UBS Arena in Long Island. Excuse me, on Long Island, New York. I will try to get that right as often as i can they're but, very insecure about that aren't they yes they are every oh and in the chat i'm being told eurovision lordy look it up will oh yeah it's amazing lordy one of the best winners from finland rock and roll All hallelujah right. great song <laughs> it's like 2006 i think it's the year they won it okay I will. I mean, here's the thing. I, I, I that seems like something that's kind of right up my alley as I sit here with my plethora of Mariah Carey albums because me and music are a delicious tandem. Yeah, there's um, there's famous people that first made their name in Eurovision. ABBA were first the Eurovision act. Celine Dion first the Eurovision act. So there you go, big names. All right, see, I learned something new today. Day We're not going to talk about Dynamite. We're just going to talk about the Eurovision for an hour. <laughs> Hell yeah, let's do it. Uh, and so 
<laughs> you sorry, I'm these sorry, no, I'm getting these texts from my wife right now saying, uh, water people need the water shut off. How do I do that? Oh, well, hey, folks. Uh, I hope none of you can all hear that, but apparently there's people working on the side of my house. Uh, so that's fun. So, which is literally right here. It's literally right outside my window. So I probably should have illustrated. All right. Two seconds, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. This never happened live, but I have to go shut off my water. I've ruined the show. I've taken it down. Tanked it. You're going to listen to Garrett Kidney tell you about himself. Oh, no. I have to vamp. Oh, no. <laughs> so this is where I naturally just slide right into TNA history. Of course, the 20th anniversary of TNA Impact this year, Impact 20. I hope everyone's looking forward to all the Impact 20 celebrations and all the Impact 20. Do I just go to plugs? Is this where I plug things instead while Will's not here? I can just plug whatever I want. Okay, I have returned from shutting my water off. I've got plumbers here at the house who are like working on stuff. And <laughs> so it was a quick like, hey, can you shut all the water off or this is going to go badly? So nothing's going to explode. Hopefully not now because I have shut the water off to my home. Other than our explosive takes. That's a segue. That's right. It's dynamite. That's what we're talking about. Anyway, it was in UBS Arena. It was live. Uh, and... It was uh, the. It's weird that UBS Arena has kind of become um, AEW's like bizarro land, the way that WWE always talked up Canada. And it's weird that it's just like a random city in New York, um, rather than I guess any other place that's like super noteworthy. Because like WWE literally just ran uh, Long Island literally last Friday for SmackDown. Uh, <laughs> they were at Nassau Coliseum, so it's not like this is a place that isn't normally run but for aew they have kind of created the one bizarro scenario that you won't get anywhere else yeah it's interesting that i think that's fun though that they lean into the idea of like when dynamite's in long island it's going to be a thing and like you'll yeah. get it when whenever they do dynamite in canada you'll get the same things like chris jericho will be a god there and they won't like have him heal on the crowd the way they kind of did last night but like they're, they're they don't they're not afraid to be like MGF's going to be super popular this week. And that's yeah. fine. And we'll write a segment around that because we're smart and we're not stupid. And we're not going to like run head first into the fact that they're going to cheer him the entire time. And it makes dynamite kind of, it makes the place dynamite is feel important as opposed to whatever just random building it's in this week. Right. But I think what's cool about that is that there's going to be kind of a lingering effect from that because it's almost like the people who have now feuded with MJF because MJF's stories seem to last so long also have this kind of residual effect of getting booed in MJF's hometown. And again, they were smart about it because they're like, all right, Punk's going to be booed, so let's yes. lean into it again. We'll put him against mm -hmm. John Silver. That's just that's just really smart, straightforward booking. We understand how the crowd is going to react, and we we weaponize it as opposed to have it sabotage us. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like that a lot. But this show actually kicked off uh, with the first... I guess, quarter-final match of the Owen Hart Memorial Tournament. The Owen Hart Foundation Men's Tournament. In which we saw Adam Cole go one-on-one -on -one with Dax Harwood. Uh, and we actually got a shot of, of Dr. Martha Hart in the crowd. This match was thankfully not what I thought it was going to be. I had my worries about what it was going to be. 
Did you think um, it was going to be a Brett and Sean match? Oh, I completely was. Wouldn't have put it past them to simply do the full-on tribute Brett Sean match. Go sixty minutes and everything. Just go full <laughs> WrestleMania twelve. <laughs> I Which did, means you do nothing for like... about fifty-five minutes and then you do stuff toward the end. Yes, um, or at least just a match that's just the stuff from the end. Um, mm. And I was actually glad that they didn't fully go there. Like obviously they had their tributes and it was um, talked up that you know Dax Harwood, of course. Uh, brings a lot of Bret Hart to the table and has especially done so lately. And then you have uh, Adam Cole, who is uh, famously idolizes Shawn Michaels. He's close with Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels had a lot to do with his rise in NXT. And so it would make sense to do a lot like that. But also there's been a lot of tribute matches lately. And it's it was nice to kind of cool the Jets on that and really just make it about wanting to advance and win in the tournament. I feel like after that hangman line last week, fair enough, it was directed at Punk rather than FTR, but after the masturbatory Bret Hart tributes thing, I feel like they couldn't have gone to the Bret Hart well again after that. It's just like, well, you right. called attention to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I felt like there was no way in hell that, uh, and you know, even Dax with his tweet yesterday talking about the masturbatory Bret Hart sock. Uh, I feel like he knew but also, like, <laughs> probably, it's one of those things you probably realize, like, right when you hit tweet, and you're like, eh, I'm going to just go with it. Yeah, you get, like, the first reply that's like, wait a minute. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah, whatever. We just live with it. Uh, but, yeah, I actually really enjoyed this match. I thought that uh, I have been fairly critical of Cole's AEW run and that I felt like something some form of intensity has just been missing from him. And I feel like his last couple of matches have really turned that back up. I feel like that's the case with a lot of people in AEW as well, though. Like the first few months and for even six months, you look at Miro or for, he was given the gamer gimmick. So it was a lost cause for a while. But then he found the thing he's doing in AEW. Mm. And there he is. It's a little bit the same with Alistair Black, where he finally found like House of Black. There he is. And it takes people like a while to find their feet, find what exactly what they look for. Even if you look at Cole Stalemates, like Red Dragon, I think are in a similar situation, particularly Kyle, who first few months, a little all over the place, a little not knowing, you know, what his AEW identity is. And then he kind of settles into it. And I think you are finding Cole being like, all right, we're doing this elite thing. We're doing this undisputed elite thing. This is this is who I am here, as opposed to being the NXT version of myself here. Right. Well, and, and the thing I am finding this tournament to be, now that I'm looking at the brackets, because it took me a minute to, to figure it out, and maybe I'm still wrong, but as the results are making more sense, you know, a lot of people have kind of harped on AEW for how some of the signings have uh I, I i how some of the signings have kind of turned out in the sense that uh they came in but they're still kind of waiting in line behind the guys who have been here which i think should be the case but i think there are a lot of people who are kind of sitting back going okay but when's it gonna happen when are we getting ruby soho when are we getting you know when's it gonna happen for adam cole and i feel like this tournament is almost a way to do that uh <laughs> and i it didn't really hit me until the three matches all ended and it was all kind of the newer signings who won each one that I thought, okay, I think I see where this is going now. And I think I see what this tournament is supposed to be. 
Yeah, when they sign people, it's not like you know, it's like they throw out their plans. It's like, all oh, right, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, all of you to the side. MJF, you're doing nothing. We have Alistair Black now. It's the case of like they're all in stories, and those stories have to kind of play out. And then once the show is reshuffled, generally after a pay per view, they begin to find their feet. It's the same with like Keith Lee and Swerve at the moment, who are kind of just doing stuff, but and they'll find their feet eventually, and maybe they'll be tag champs. Who knows? We'll see. But. Yeah, it's it's and this tournament is a good way to get all those people kind of like, all right, this is a focused, purposeful thing for them all to do. Yes. Oh, and we are joined by our regular uh, appearer on Day After Dynamite, Gary it's- Kidney. Hey, Jerry, how you doing? Good. How are you? Everyone thinks Garrett's my t- top source, and I've never actually spoken to him person to person. I have given Jeremy two whole stories, maybe three. Is it two or three? It's three. I, I just, yeah, I just do stories off of your tweets, and I That's wouldn't, like, I wouldn't have a job without you. And it's true. people, I legit, people like actually think like, oh, Garrett feeds you stuff. I was like, I, no, what? <laughs> Will feeds me everything. I don't get anything. From <laughs> I feed Sean. I don't feed you. I just, I know, I just nobody nobody feeds me. Nobody feeds me anything. <laughs> I was like, hey, Garrett just, got me in trouble with WWE. Girl, Do I? Oh yeah, they called you. Yeah, they called me over over your nonsense. Wait, wait, I don't know oh, this story. Oh, you don't know? Okay, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I sent this tweet being like, obviously it's the NXT beam that everyone gets attacked in the parking lot. And I was, did my usual like, oh, NXT parking lot thing. And then the NXT full sale account reply being like, we take sec- campus security very seriously. And it's, you know, we don't uh, have attacks at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so they replied they replied to Garrett's uh tweet and I do a story on this because it popped me. I was like, this is tremendous, this is great. They're like uh full sale is replying like what campus security is very strict here at full sale. So I do the story on it, and then WWE calls me, um, like their their head of PR or somebody calls me and was like, uh hey, can we get you to remove that story because we have a great <laughs> relationship? with full sale and we don't want people Googling like full sale university and believing the parking lot is unsafe. <laughs> so I had to, I had to pull that story and uh, it's all Garrett's fault that I wrote it in the first place. Wait, no, no. what do you think about it? They don't run full sale anymore. Do they? No, no. they don't. So like, did I, I ruin WWE's relationship with full sale? <laughs> did I kill it? That's the next story I'm going to write. Garrett kidney uh, kills WWE in full sale relationship. All those yes. poor full sale students don't have a path to whatever they did in NXT anymore. <laughs> Maybe they're happy looking at NXT. <laughs> well, I popped in to say hi because I've never actually spoken to Garrett, even though we are great friends on Twitter. And yes, he's my top source. Uh, you guys enjoy the Dynamite review. Will, thank you as always for for entertaining me for for the two minutes that I pop in. Guys, have a good day. Uh, everyone, watch the Spotlight YouTube.com Fightful at five o'clock, but finish watching this show first, and then you can come over and, and watch our show. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, Jeremy. Pops That's in and still story. gets his plugs in. Disgraceful. Yes. Hey, we got a super chat. Uh, this one comes from Orion Ben six six six. He says, "Hempstead, Long Island has become to AEW what Toronto and Calgary were to WWF slash E in the nineties and two thousands. I totally loved it. Also, props to Melissa on Twitter who went viral for the Punk Danhausen hook in video. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it created some dumb takes from people, but uh, other than that, 
<laughs> there's nothing in the world that doesn't create dumb takes from people. I know, to be right? Fair, like, it's almost, but like, I feel like today is like particularly bad. Like, Day After Dynamite was designed to talk about the fallout of things that happen on Dynamite. But man, this is like the one day I don't want to talk about anybody's discussions on things because it's all so bad. Uh, and uh, it's, it's one just, of those open the app, close the app days. It's yes. just like the, like the the, the own heart stuff is horrible and bad. And just, even just the the freaking hand wringing about Jeff Hardy doing ladder matches. It's like what is wrong with you people? Yeah. Well, this match though, uh, this match was straight up storytelling mode and uh and a lot of dax doing everything he could to defeat this man adam cole but adam cole um ultimately uh outworked him and worked over the the ribs he took dax out of the ring um when dax re-entered uh this led to a sharpshooter that caused dax to tap he tapped to the sharpshooter. And and we had a moment where I could tell people were like, oh, no, don't you do it. Don't you do it. Uh, and, and Dax is grabbing the referee's arm saying, don't, don't, don't. And then he taps. It wasn't even a particularly good sharpshooter either, which I think some ways makes it better that it wasn't a particularly good sharpshooter. Right. That Adam Cole's terrible sharpshooter is what he tapped out to. But... Honestly, I would have went for the super kick finish. Like you said, you didn't want to do the Sean and Brett match, but uh, just w- at least wind up the band. You know, at least tease <laughs> I mean, the he, super he, kick. He did. He did tease up, uh, tune up the band in the match, and the crowd booed um, as he started to. And so we got a little bit of it. This was a solid B for me. I thought that this match did everything it needed to do to get the tournament started. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it got the most time, and uh, I was. I think this was one of the best Adam Cole matches so far. I like the Christian match a lot too, but I feel like this was one of Adam Cole's best matches in AEW so far. Yeah, like the Dynamite opener has a very high bar. It's one of the, like the surest things in wrestling when you get the first two like work rate guys out there in front of the hot crowd of Dynamite. And this delivered. Thumbs up Dynamite opener. Yes. That and Dax Harwood, like, secretly maybe the best wrestler in the company at the moment. Who knows? I've been a big Dax Harwood guy pretty much since the Jungle Boy match uh, last year. And uh, I have been, like, when Cash got injured last year, never wish injury upon anybody, and I'm glad he's all right. But there was a piece of me that's like, hey, singles Dax Harwood, I can do that. Uh, but, but... FTR still on a roll. Excited to see what FTR does next. Um, I feel like this tournament is also kind of playing the role of starting up certain feuds where I feel like FTR is probably headed toward Red Dragon. And if they are, uh, this tournament kind of set that set the tone for that as Adam Cole got the victory over Dax. Probably still has uh, an axe to grind with them. I don't know. A Dax to grind, some might say. Yeah, this is worthy of nothing. That doesn't anything. <laughs> out comes CM Punk. Or not CM Punk. Out comes first. Uh, Hangman Adam Page makes his way to ringside uh, and commentary because he's going to do commentary over the next match, which was CM Punk taking on Long Island's own John Silver. And 
uh, CM Punk during his entrance. He cuts the music off, tells us all uh, as he comes out in a uh, Islanders jersey, which seemed to be kind of trying to make amends a little bit. Uh, and then he turns around, and it's very much not. He gets booed out of the building. Well, can you explain the sports reference to me? I don't know the name. Um, what he did to turn around? Was it, was it like something about the name on the jersey? I was confused. I'm the casual was... fan sitting here being like, oh, the sports reference went over my head. <laughs> I'll say this. I don't watch hockey. If this had been a basketball reference, I'd have gotten it. If this had been football, I'd have gotten it. Baseball, might have gotten it. The only hockey I, I watch right I thought... now. Yeah, I thought the bit was he came out in a shirt and the guy in the back of the shirt was gone or something, but I don't know. I don't know hockey either, so maybe someone in the chat can tell us. Or he just came out in a hockey jersey. Who knows? Yeah. Also, the chat is saying my audio has gone bad. Is this true? Would you confirm that? You did drop out a little during the graphic there, but you're fine now. Okay. If I'm fine, then I'm fine. Gonna take it. Uh, but alert me to these things. Mm. That said, Punk getting the heat. Uh, and the, oh, and so they're saying he was the captain and had a bad breakup with the team. All right, there it is. Uh, that, that was my assumption. I knew it was something because yeah. as soon as he turned around, the crowd gave him shit because I thought, what's wrong with the Islanders? Like, I thought this is the team you guys <laughs> love. And then, uh, when he turned around, I thought, oh, okay. Uh, so I was saying Tavares was a star player for the Islanders who went home to play for Toronto. Got it. Makes perfect oh, sense and that, that's where the line with the Excalibur on commentary as well came from. There, ah, someone went to the Maple during the. Well, I, I can't remember what segment it was, but he was like, "Oh, I think it was during the MF Portugal segment where he's like, oh, and he'll go sign for the Maple Leafs.' It's like the same thing." Ah, okay. See, See we're, we're like the freaking casual fans at Revolution, being like, "What's <laughs> the song? I, I don't know the song. I, I don't understand." <laughs> Which, by the way, do you know how? Okay, you recognize how dumb that discourse was. But the funny thing was, I was at Revolution, right? Literally, the song hits. The guy next to me goes, whoa, what's this? And I went, it's his ROH theme. And he goes, ah, oh, cool. <laughs> that was the end of that. That was the absolute end of it. There wasn't a moment of, well, that's stupid. What if this guy hadn't been sitting next to me? I wouldn't have known this. But... <laughs> The guy exist. went on a Twitter thread for the ages. It's like, oh, I was so upset. I wouldn't have known, but this guy said it to me. But still, I wouldn't have known if he didn't tell me. <laughs> like it was literally that simple. People in the crowd got it. It's all it needed to be. Uh, okay, CM Punk versus John Silver. Um, we knew this wasn't going to be a whole lot. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at bet mgm 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. That, uh, you know, John Silver is really good for that flurry of offense. But ultimately, this is a match where CM Punk needs to beat him, beat him decisively and remind Hangman that he's coming for the title and he's coming for it soon and he's coming for it at double or nothing. I'm a little bummed about like where John Silver is these days. I do. I kind of get it because look at the line of people that's in front of him. It's hard to be like, all right, John Silver, now is your time. But like coming off the Derby TNT title match in particular, I was like, oh, you know, there's something there with him as like a, a guy on a level above guy who loses the stars. And he is still in that guy who's over. You can put in a match that people are like, oh, I'm looking forward to that. And he'll lose and the match will get over. That's that's his role now, which is it's not the worst role in the world. But uh, there is a little part of me that's like, oh, I wish there was more to John Silver. Especially when you think about it, it was only just like 18 months ago that, you know, he had the match with Orange Cassidy at um, Full Gear. And that felt like kind of the stepping stone to where he could be next. But it feels like he's exactly there, if not yeah. lower because he's not getting on a pay-per-view card now. But uh, so at that time, yeah, I don't know. Um, Punk won with the Buckshot Lariat. Uh, like six, seven out of ten Buckshot Lariat. Just like Adam Cole Sharpshooter. Maybe it's better that it wasn't great. Yeah, it was like a five, to be mm. honest. Uh, I was not that happy with it. He kind of just like lunges rather than like, you didn't really feel the force of the arm. It didn't look great, but whatever. CM Punk won. Uh, I doubt the pin was more uh, sent more of a message than honestly the buckshot did. The way he sat on him and looks directly into the hard camera, uh, and Punk gets the victory. Down to the ring comes Adam Cole. Adam Cole. Adam Page. And too many Adams. It's a confusing again. See, hey, proof. There it is. There's the proof right there. Uh, they just need to be Page and. Cole. Yeah, that would <laughs> solve every problem. Well, Paige would be a different issue with Ethan, but still. <laughs> no, and you then can he be just Ethan. becomes Ethan. Yeah. There we are. Or all Ego. He's a guy who they'll go with the nickname. He's All Ego now. Yeah. Although, I, it is weird to me that, like, as an Impact viewer, I always, like, consciously just called him Ego as a nickname. But, like, that hasn't really caught on with AEW viewers, like, at all. Mm. And there were maybe, like, three people that the last AEW event I was at or the, not last, because I've been to like seven since then. But uh, at one of the events I was at when he was feuding with Darby, um, there were like three people chanting, Ego sucks. And I'm like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to chant at him. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like it hasn't really caught on. But we'll see. I feel like he's in store for big things shortly. But this was Adam Page. Adam Page cuts his promo. Uh, or no, he actually had CM Punk talking. CM Punk... Uh, basically tells Adam Page, look, not personal. Uh, 
I used to wake up and ask myself, am I a good guy? But now I wake up and ask myself, am I the champion? And the answer is yes. And at double or nothing, I'm going to beat you. It's not personal. It's just business. How are you feeling about this one? You look like in front of the match. It's Hangman Page against uh, CM Punk. It's going to be a cool match. How are you feeling about the build? Uh, I definitely am feeling the missing night of Hangman. And that I feel like something was supposed to happen to get it here. That night that Hangman had COVID and wasn't able to make it. Because all of a sudden, Hangman's angry. Punk is like, what are you angry about? And like, I feel like there's supposed to be something a little personal. But it just to me feels like that night that that was supposed to really escalate never happened. And so we're just kind of here. Yeah, because you had the Dustin match where he worked, where Punk worked heel to kind of like foreshadow where this is going. And then there was this Hangman's promo last week, which as you mentioned, he's like feisty and aggressive and kind of on the wrong side of mean. And I think people took that a weird way. So now you just have Punk, who is, I think, obviously trying to be the heel of this feud, but also Hangman, who's kind of being a little obnoxious as well. So you just have two guys kind of out jerking each other in a way that's not (laughs) one of those phrases that immediately comes out of your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, consult Dax on that one. Yeah, no, I thought that... um... (laughs) Yeah, like I said, I feel like there's a missing piece here. Mm. Like one night that was supposed to happen that didn't, but they were like, well, we don't have it now because Punk wasn't there the following week. So whatever was supposed to escalate this just never happened. And I don't feel like it's as personal as the feud wants to be. Yeah, we got about three weeks until, three more Dynamites until Double or Nothing, right? Two? Three? Two? Two. Ooh, two is tough. Yes. All right, <laughs> they need a good angle next week. This one needs a good angle next week. Yeah, because that's it. We, we got two more Dynamites now. Uh, we got Houston and then Vegas, and mm. we're here. So uh, I, this one, it, it's it's a C. It, oh. it happened. I thought the heat from Punk was, was fun. Uh, otherwise... Nice little match, nice little promo, no strong feelings. Yes, exactly it. What did you think? Same thing. It's just, it's perfectly fine, acceptable television wrestling. Nothing nothing <laughs> more or nothing less. Uh, and then what followed on the show was we got a Britt Baker segment. She, Britt, Britt Baker was backstage, Jamie Hayter. Um, it was implied that, hey, if Jamie wins and Britt wins her match, then we're getting these two one-on-one. Ooh. It's weird how hard they hit that over a few weeks, only for her then to lose. But uh, I suppose they're they're laying that seed for probably after the tournament. Yeah, uh, there's uh, there's there's a lot that can happen here still, uh, and because I think we're still headed toward Tony Storm versus Britt at Double or Nothing. But in order to get there, there's this a little that had to change because I don't think Britt's winning but I think she'll cost Tony Storm her match, and then that leads us to double or nothing. Um, that's my thought. But before we got there, Danhausen yes. versus Tony Nese. Tony Nese already in the ring. I thought this was brilliant. Uh, I thought this is a, a, especially bringing it up after the fact, but I thought Tony Nese already being in the ring was a, a great little nod to people who would see that and go, oh, okay, this is just a showcase for Danhausen. And exactly the thought that went through my head. It's like, oh, geez, Tony needs to get an already in the ring. Not going well for him. Right. 
that that's perfect because that I think that's a great way to uh, to kind of turn it on the fans' heads and mm. and make them notice Tony Nese in a way that they might not have otherwise. Uh, Danhausen comes out, new theme. All right, uh, I will put out there. Got to be careful about this one. I will put out there that I heard this theme almost two months ago to the point of where it didn't even strike me that it was new until uh you're like wait a minute this is the first time he's at the entrance right well until i saw twitter and everybody's like whoa great new music and i thought that's right this isn't uh that that's not the case here like my brain just it wasn't computing because i'm just used to hearing i was like that i've heard it so much that uh it's that uh that i i didn't even like i listened to it like all the regular i think it's a great song i think it's it's a great little uh homage to the monsters meets um meets tequila great song like i said i've heard it so much that didn't even click with me that people hadn't heard that yet and it really does put over the song that you've listened to it so much that you've internalized it as opposed to it still being relatively fresh and new and you're like oh this is the first time it's on tv it's like no i see her the song literally every day of my life apparently uh i mean hold on are you ready for it like literally it's just been sitting on my phone (laughs) (laughs) so you cue that up very quickly (laughs) because yeah I, i don't know so that that was one of those things that um I'm really glad he got to get that out there. Fans really loved it. <laughs> Thank you, Reg, in the chat. Uh, and the um, so yeah, it was a squash though. Uh, he gets he's about to curse uh, Tony Nice. There's a distraction by uh, Mark Sterling, and that leads to Tony Nice uh, basically. Hitting him with one finish. One, two, three, we're done. Yeah, one it's move, running me in the corner. End of match. Yes. Hey, keep talking for 10 seconds. I do like that they still even, they did give Danhausen the out of the distraction so that even though he was squashed, he did at least have the the moment of distraction that allowed him to justifiably lose in 10 seconds. They protected the credibility of Danhausen is what I'm saying. And that's very important. But yeah, it's Tony Nice and Danhausen. What more can I say? Why did we? Why do I have to fill for time when it's only in the ten-second match? I know, why right? Yeah. Just... Okay. So <laughs> because <laughs> other things happen, right? Because the moment that the fans wanted, they got, which mm-hmm. was uh, he hits him again, and then hits him again, uh, and out comes Hook. Big and you get the we hook. want Hook chance as well before he comes yeah, out. The crowd wanted; right. they're ready for it. They were ready for it. The moment his music hit, Hook comes down, big pop. Hook makes his way into the ring and uh, runs off Tony Nese and then actually shakes Danhausen's hand. We got Hookhausen. Hookhausen is here. This I, I think they've done like a really smart job with Hook and that he's doing undercard stuff. He's doing like he's working with QT. He's working with Tony Nese. They are doing like as good a job as you can of having him have like meaningless undercard feuds while keeping him relevant. Because obviously he's a guy who like he's not in the John Silver tier, obviously, but he is in that same camp of he's very far down the queue right now. So 
they know he's popular. They know he's over. They were smart enough to split him from Team Taz because he's like people want to cheer for him, so let them cheer for him. And people want to boo Starks and Hobbs, so let them boo Starks and Hobbs. So they, I think everything they've done with Hook has been like really, really smart for something that is on, on the surface so low stakes. Yeah, <laughs> I can agree with that. Uh, and it, it's worked. It's working. And now we've got a tag match at Double or Nothing of. Hookhausen versus Mark Sterling and Tony Nese. Yeah, I'm excited for the Mark Sterling promo where it's like, you gave him the already in the ring entrance and then he won? Like, that again, ammo for the manager. It's perfect. Yeah, that was great stuff. And so that took us into the next segment, Mark Sterling already out there. Uh, and it was the contract signing between MJF and Wardlow. This was magical. This was fantastic stuff for a number of reasons i think mjf so well works this baby face shtick where he's like clearly an asshole and clearly like everything he's saying for this audience is kind of disingenuous and you can sense it but and the audience knows it as well i think is important like the audience knows he's bullshitting them but they're fine they're willing to go with it yeah exactly and like you know the wardlow comes out and they flash the boo wardlow on the on the tron and uh, then we get one of the best video packages AEW's ever put together. <laughs> Though, I do have a logical consistency. Don't Jericho and MJF hate each other? He, he acknowledged that at the beginning of the video. Still, why, why, is he, why is he voicing over the Dark Side video? He acknowledged it. Jericho said, as he brings up MJF, the video pauses and he goes, wait. This is an MJF video? You should have uh, stopped. You should have thrown it, it out. But And then he says, uh, he was like, this is an MJF video? I'm not doing this after all we've been through. And then he goes, wait, what's he paying? All right, fine. And then they kept going. Uh, Fair enough. And so it was a little bit of like, Jericho still has a problem with MJF, but also has no integrity because MJF paid him. So I at least like the little bit of acknowledgement it got. Mm. Uh no, this is. Yeah, and I, I like when, you know, it's like they explain it away. I'm fine. Like, no matter what, unless the explanation is ridiculous, I'm fine with them. Expl even like the Fozzie stuff. It's like, why does he still play Judas? It's because he's got royalties. And like, fine. Yeah. That's all you need. That's all you need. And uh, honestly, though, I loved everything about this. I loved mm. them filming the little bits with the, the faceless actors yeah. that they do with Dark Side of the Ring, redoing the dog collar match. Brilliant shit. Uh, and, and I bringing... love the way that they, they did some of them are like uh, like file actual AEW footage and then some of them is their, their, their like recreations their reenactments mm -hmm. and like completely arbitrarily which is which <laughs> and then Barry Horowitz shows up in it yeah. as this legendary Jewish wrestler uh, Jake Roberts it says the snake guy uh, it, it was just so well done <laughs> only small that. note for the for the aew footage it should have been like that grainy video filter dark side put over it yes uh, where it's like shot with the camera like over uh off a screen oh that would have been great if they had yeah. done it that way but otherwise excellent stuff i even love mm -hmm. that dark side of the ring retweeted it just excellent excellent stuff mjf makes his way out big pop uh and he's just playing up to the fans telling them all to yeah, he wants you to boo Wardlow and like don't boo Wardlow uh, don't make it the loudest boost he's ever gotten in his career and, and Wardlow doesn't even get to talk he does uh 
hint at, which is now even more news today uh, as Fightful Select is broken that MJF is reportedly not happy and is uh, basically set on not signing at this stage. Uh, MJF did allude to all of that in this promo. He brought up the fact that uh, I he put it on... Wardlow, which obviously was all MJF scheming, but he mentioned that, you know, this there's going to be payback for all the things that you did to my man, my best friend, uh, Cody, the American roller coaster Rhodes. Um, and, and then when the crowd booed that, he was like, well, you don't want to talk about 2024? Well, apparently neither does the guy in the back. And who would have known? People are like Cody, MJF, generational rivals. We just never knew it might happen in the WWE. I know, right? <laughs> That's exactly what everybody thought when they had that match. Yes. You run no, it back. Nobody thought that. Someday. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so MJF, uh, he tells Wardlow the stipulations that Wardlow is going to have to get whipped. And then he's going to have to compete in a steel cage match. Again, there's only two dynamites left. So, like, when is all this happening? Is like, unless they're going to just do those two things on, like, Rampage. Um, but even still. I guess whipping's next week, cage on the go-home. Yeah, I guess you can do that. Uh, where's the go-home? That's at Michelob Ultra Arena. That's not a huge arena. But I'm sure it's big enough to accommodate a steel cage. Um, so... Okay. Uh, oh, and MJF will be the special guest referee for said steel cage match. Yeah, I loved it. I thought this segment was perfect. Like, I am a guy who has always been on the fence about MJF. Even in, like, the CM Punk stuff, in all of that, I'm a guy who's like, he's trying too hard. He's baby's first heel. I don't like when he's edgy. I am, a, like, a firm, still, even now, MJF fencer. And uh, this feud with Wardlow is the time where I'm like, oh, he's got it. He's finally got he it. Because yes. he's not trying to be cool. He's not trying to be edgy. He's not trying to even be like sinister or dastardly. He's just a shit-eating heel. And that's exactly who he is. And that's exactly what his strengths are. And Wardlow is the cool, mean guy who's going to kill him. And he is the sniveling weasel who we want to see get killed. It is perfect, timeless pro wrestling. And it's finally the moment, my like my MJF moment, where I'm like, that's him. That's everything about him that makes him special and interesting and what makes him as a heel stand out from like everybody else in AEW and everybody else in wrestling, frankly. And he does that, I think, better than anybody else. And I think he should do that all the time instead of, you know, trying to make edgy jokes that pop five people. That people are like, ooh, let's go away with your edgy jokes then, Jeff. I want to say that the one guy that things are very much working for is Wardlow. And yeah. that uh, clearly... Somebody really likes the visual of him being charged at by a whole bunch of security and staff because it is a cool visual. I was there in New Orleans when uh, they had all those people rush him, um, and he, he's very good at just taking them all down one by one by one by one by one. Uh, it looks good, and this time he took them all down and then put Mark Sterling through the table. Great shit. Uh, board low. It's just clicking. It's just working for him. I almost worry that, like, what's next? What else can you do? Because uh, this is a guy who's going to be super duper over and a guy that I would give as much as I can to, but what can I give to him? 
because you think he beats MJF, you would think, which is like, yeah. and, and, and it's not a foregone conclusion because that's two pay per view results in a row that MJF is losing, which that's a big deal for a star like MJF. So they might try and find a way out where he sneaks a win but still gets power bombed. Maybe something like that. We'll see. Well, they put the stipulation that he cannot sign with AEW if he does not win. Yeah, that's it, true. So he like has to win, right? He does. Uh, but we might not pin him, but they don't do DQs, so it's it's right. not going to be a DQ. So yeah, so he kind of has to win, but we'll see. But but they could always like have him lose, but then find another way out of the stipulation. We'll see. But yeah, if he does beat MJF, you would think surely he has to go straight into a title match, right? Yeah, like he's got to do something. But I, I I think he wins, and then I think and it's probably been sitting in his uh all elite files since for the last like year but tony khan is going to post the wardlow is all elite graphic Uh, (laughs) yes (laughs) well because i i appreciate that he was smart enough when somebody pointed it out to remove wardlow from the AEW roster page because story-wise wardlow should not be on the AEW roster he works for mjf and so once somebody pointed that out, he was removed from the roster page and he's still not. And he never did have an all elite graphic. So you can officially do all of that, even though he's really been signed the entire time. But I saw some just... criticism about this segment taking place in Long Island about like, oh, why would you do something where Wardlow is booed? And I'm like, the crowd has the attention span of longer than 30 seconds. They can understand that Wardlow is being booed in this building because of MJF and will not be booed next week. And even like when they teased them powerbombing MJF, the crowd were still into it. Like the crowd yeah. didn't boo him when he when he teased powerbombing. The crowd were like, oh yeah, still a powerbomb. It's cool. Nah, this isn't something I would have worried about, mainly because I think AEW has done a good enough job establishing what hometowns mean to people. Uh, because it's we've been at this now for a while. We know that Ricky Starks got cheered in New Orleans. We know that uh, Britt Baker gets cheered in Pittsburgh. And we know that... Yes, Pittsburgh. But, uh, and then MJF gets cheered in Long Island. On Long Island. (laughs) ah, I did it again. (laughs) This is a thing that happens. People have their hometowns. That's okay. It is perfectly okay. And even like the flip side of it, Punk gets booed in Long Island. It's yeah. fine. Punk I mean, got booed in a feud with Eddie per- Kingston. Also fine. I would love it if it becomes a permanent thing that like, hey, Wardlow also is not popular on Long Island because yeah, everybody defuses him. Yeah, <laughs> Cody will return and he'll still get booed. In, well, he gets booed everywhere, <laughs> so that doesn't count. But he'll get booed yeah. on Long Island too. That's true. Did he work the last Long Island show? I mean, he was still in the company at the time because that was December. But if he did, I don't remember what he would have done. Was it? Did he just cut a promo on Sammy? I think it was. Maybe. I don't know. I, th- I think that's where that they. I think Long Island, if I remember correctly, was where they set up the match with uh, Sammy Guevara, where he beat him for the TNT title. Mm. That's my hunch. Oh, the one where he walked out on the stage. Yeah. Yeah, where he walked out on the stage and then like hinted at going through one tunnel and went through the other. I think that was Long Island, but I could be wrong. Uh, what was next on the show? By the way, this segment, total A. Uh, I'd, I, honestly, I'd go S. I think this segment is perfect. Uh, between the dark side thing, between the MGF promo, between the ward low tees, between the powerball, I thought this was like perfect pro wrestling. So Will is stingy with his S's. I'll give you an S. I come on the show <laughs> to give the people what they want. All right. Still an A from me. Um, 
but uh, I, I'm curious what the chat thinks. Chat, let me know. What is this? Was this an A for you? Um, was this a, was this an S? I don't know. It was a great segment, though. Total great segment. So, next we had uh, FTW title on the line. It was the FTW champion Ricky Starks taking on one half of the AEW World Tag Team Champions, Jungle Boy, JB. Jungle B, as, uh, as an old John Silver reference. This was fun. Mm. Uh, I had fun with this. Um, I also had fun with where it led. Uh, I thought that, I don't know, kind of everything. Uh, this, this felt like when people like to criticize storylines or storytelling or long-term feuds or anything along those lines, I feel like so many long-term storylines all came into play here uh, in that this was, one, like I said, it, it was a, you could hear me talk about the work of the match. I think Ricky Starks and Jungle Boy both worked well. I thought what they were trying to tell in the ring was that Jungle Boy is kind of known as an in-ring technician but uh, Ricky Starks is no slouch, and that was kind of catching Jungle Boy off guard, but ultimately Jungle Boy was out-wrestling Ricky Starks the way Jungle Boy should. But then there came some interference. We started with Swerve, which consider that the Team Taz versus Keith Lee feud began before Revolution. This has been going on quite some time. That was the feud going into the, the face of the Revolution ladder match. Swerve just entered that feud. Swerve hits the ring to uh, stop Ricky Starks from using the FTW title because Starks was going to use it. Uh, but then referee Stefan Smith gets out of the ring trying to eject Swerve. But in the process, um, that then allows uh, Ricky Starks to pick up the victory. Swerve feels embarrassed that, holy shit, I just... I was trying to stop Ricky Starks, but in the process, I ended up costing Ricky or allowing Ricky Starks to get the victory. He's standing there. Um, out come Jurassic Express. They bump shoulders with Swerve. Uh, so now Swerve looks a little miffed at Jurassic Express uh, and Christian. It was Christian specifically, which yeah, I very told... consciously too. It's like, yes. yeah, I'm bumping you, you jerk. Right. And I told Swerve literally earlier today, look, I, for those who have known me a long time, know that I've always been a really big Christian Cage fan. Because that's how you roll? That's how I roll. He was... Uh, him jumping to TNA was, I thought, one of the coolest moves anybody could have done in 2005. Love me some Christian. Still is the also, same theme song, too. <laughs> I am also a big supporter of all things Swerve Strickland. Anything Swerve Strickland does, I'm related to the guy. I, But even if I wasn't, I'm a big fan of Swerve Strickland. I told him, if I find out that a one-on-one -on -one match is happening between him and Christian, I'm booking the next flight. That is how much I want to see him and Christian go at it. And uh, I, I want to see that. Like The second they bump shoulders, I'm like, that better go somewhere. That better not have just <laughs> been uh, these two. Um, I, I would book whatever flight I could to get to see those two go one-on-one. -on -one. Do you think that happens during this angle or perhaps down the road for Christian? 
I don't know. <laughs> no idea. Uh, when I sent him that, I was hoping he was going to hit back at like, ha well, you should book for this city. All he sent me back was a laughing emoji. And I was like, oh, God damn it. Um, fine, fine. But the second it's announced, you'll catch me in, in whatever crowd that is. Uh, but then uh, here comes Hobbs and Starks. And then Keith Lee's music hits. So all of a sudden now we've got a three-team standoff. Sounds like we're doing the three-way for the title, for the titles very soon at Revolution. Uh, or not Revolution, Double or Nothing. Although we did just have a three-way for mm. the titles at Revolution. Um, but yeah, so three-team standoff. And so as everybody makes their way to the back, we remind ourselves that there's still one more storyline at play here. Because yeah, we've had the Team Taz versus uh, Keith Lee and uh, Swerve story. And yeah, Team Taz is now involved with uh, Jurassic Express, but there's still the other story of Christian and his frequent disappointment in his protege, Jungle Boy. And Jungle Boy is looking off, disappointed in his loss, and Christian comes over and gives him a hug, tells him it's all right, but you could see the look in Christian's face that looked like, how much more of this am I going to put up with? There was a TNA segment once. It was the week before Brooke and Bully Ray got married. And Bully Ray gave Brooke a hug and he turned to the camera and he looked straight down the camera with like a dead stare to be like, you know what's coming next week. You damn well know what's coming next week. And Christian basically reminded me of that where he was just like, he didn't quite look at the camera, but it was the same thing where it's like, this is going to come to its breaking point soon. Yes. Like, because the crowd even kind of booed when he hugged him of like, no, we wanted you to hit him now. Yeah. Like they very much want that turn and want it very soon. And so uh, that's happening too. So I, what I loved about this particular segment was just how much of the storylines between all these guys came into play. And there was still a reminder that even after this is done between the tag titles, you still got one big one that's going to play between christian and jungle boy yeah i'm, I'm a little bit bummed that it is like two straight pay-per-views with a three-way tag but I, I do feel like they got to the three-way tag a lot more organically here as you said with intersecting stories as opposed to like we're just going to do qualifiers to get to a three-way tag that feels yeah. a little more forced and lame as opposed to being like all right so we do have these different intersecting stories all coming together in one three-way tag which i think is the more interesting way to do it that at least if makes I- the three-way tag feel justified yeah, way more justified because you're right. The other thing was like, hey, we're just doing a three-way tag and here's how these two co- teams qualify. Whereas like, what justification did you have for a three-way tag uh, back at Revolution other than Booker wants a three-way tag? Uh, like just within the context of storyline. So I get what you're saying there. And yeah, this is a much better way to do it with intersecting stories. I did see some people suggest that perhaps Jungle Boy should turn on Christian. And, like, I personally wouldn't do that. I think Jungle Boy is just too much of a natural babyface. But on the flip side of that, I think Christian is way too much of a natural heel not to, to turn. Because, like, if you watched uh, Impact last year, I would have seen in the build-up to the, the Josh Alexander match at Band for Glory, Christian did, like, a, a, a soft heel turn, I think you could call it, just so he, he would be wrestling babyface Josh. And he was great there. Like, I, I think his most memorable stuff in TNA was, like, Christian Coalition era during his heel run. Obviously, his, his biggest run in WWE was as a heel against Randy in 2011. I, I think the guy's just, he has, like, I would argue his biggest face. run in WWE was honestly, that as I was posting about, his 2005 run against uh, kind of everybody. Everything he was doing, like, 04, 05, 
um, felt kind of bigger to me than even though he had the world title in 2011. It was like, nah, I, I think he, he felt like one of the guys, though. He but, was going to break through, yeah. But he was a heel yeah, again, so. I, I feel like, uh, like when I think about his biggest TNA run, man, I get angry again because I thought Christian in TNA had so much going for him, especially um, through 06. And then it felt like uh, when Angle came in, they were like, whoa, 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 we got Kurt Angle now? Everything Christian has going for him, we're going to give to Kurt Angle. And it honestly made me understand why Christian kind of looked around like, well, what the fuck am I here for then? Because uh, I remember getting super annoyed that like the Christian Coalition became Angle's alliance, that mm. they were building this story between Christian and Tomko, and Christian uh, and Tomko finally turning on Christian, which was the bigger story because they had the history going back to WWE. And it was like, but you just went and aligned Tomko with Angle, and you aligned Styles with Angle. And like I could believe Styles, who was the top guy of TNA for so long, suddenly being a lackey to Christian, but maybe realizing this isn't a great idea, but also being a lackey to Angle was like, okay, now you're just pissing on AJ Styles. There was so much stuff at that time period that would just annoy the shit out of me. Even when you go like all the way back to Christian's debut, which was like November 05, mm-hmm. and then two months later, Sting comes along. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he, he gets his shiny new toy period for two whole months, and then Sting is there, and everyone's like, ooh, it's Sting. Yeah. No, I there was there was a lot of that with with Christian and I I did luckily like match wise I think Christian had some of the best stuff of his career and I'm glad that we got it celebrated last year, um, but man did I get annoyed a lot with how much like I loved Angle as a performer in TNA, but his presence really did to me. Um, take away a lot of what TNA had going for it. Where like, I was not ready for Joe's streak to end. And then angle comes in and taps him out. I'm like, no, don't fucking do that. Like I, I was having more fun with Joe's streak than anything. I'm sorry. I could do a podcast with Garrett Kidney forever <laughs> about TNA, because if there's anything I remember, uh, like people know my WWE history is pretty good. My AW history is pretty flawless, but like, I also have, some really great TNA memories as well. It's not a, my memory is not as great as Garrett. I couldn't reach out the second I see something happen on anybody's television show and go, oh, that's a reference to the time it happened in TNA. Like when Jeff Hardy misses Swanton Bombs on steps and you're like, Bobby Lashley match at Manhattan Center 2014. <laughs> you had that so fast. Here's the fun fact. I had that tweet drafted the second they pulled the steps out. Even before he did the Swanton, <laughs> I drafted that Swanton because I knew it. I knew the second he pulled the steps, I was like, he's missing a Swanton on those steps. That's that so on top great. of these things. And people are like, do you have the script or something? He's like, no, I just know. It's my, it's my <laughs> TNA instinct. It's my TNA sixth sense. I fucking love it. I think, like, I wish I loved anything as much as Garrett loves TNA. <laughs> but... Uh, I don't know the, either way I had fun with this, this is solid B for me. This, I have fun with it. Uh, and I loved the way everything intertwined and intersected and, uh, no complaints. Yeah. Did a good job getting us to double or nothing and potentially past double or nothing. Yes. So who's we... putting the belts on? There's a question. 
assuming because you could go both ways. I would go with Team Taz to be honest. Uh, I think they need a win as well. Yeah, I I would give it to Team Taz. Uh, they've been a team so long that I would love to see them actually have something to celebrate as mm. this team has existed since double or nothing 2020. Uh, and so like somebody just recently pointed out that uh, talking about the time that Cody had that similar finish with Darby back at the Nightmare Factory and, uh, God, that was and, it, <sighs> and that Darby getting pinned led to Taz trying to offer Darby advice, which led to the creation of Team Taz when Darby turned him down. And it's like, oh my God, <laughs> Team Taz has been around so long. It's yeah, great. Particularly, like, at least, you know, Starks has the FTW title. I think Hobbs in particular, he just needs a win. Yeah. Oh, I would love to see something there. But before we got there, we had the Jericho Appreciation Society victory speech. Um, and... We found out what makes Matt Menard's nipple hard. I think that's the most important thing. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, this was what I thought was going to be more of the same. And it started out, really, it was of more of the same Jericho shtick, sports entertainment stuff. He's a wizard. He's a million nicknames. Uh, and he talked about how he is actually from just up the road, but that he moved to Canada because this place is disgusting. So he did heal out the Long Island fans. I hope and... they do that in Canada as well. Just do the flip side. It's like, <laughs> oh, I, I was born in Long Island or Manhasset. <laughs> but then, uh, I guess this wasn't what I expected. Mm -hmm. My son actually asked me the other day because he and I found ourselves watching Double or Nothing 2021. Um, speaking of which, recommend if you haven't watched it in a while. Uh, Brian Cage versus Adam Page, actually, way better than I remembered. I was there in person. I liked that match, but I don't remember actually sitting and watching it. And I did. Great match. That was the opener of that show, wasn't it? That was the opener, yeah. Which was and the first match back with crowds in like eighteen months or whatever. So it's just like, oh, they're ready for it. They're ready. Uh, Adam Page hits an F five in that match on Brian Cage after Brian Cage attempts the buckshot, but uh, stumbles in doing so, and then gets lifted up for an F5 from Adam Page that's actually really clean and really nice looking. Uh, but here we had... Uh, so anyway, I said all that to say that my son and I were watching it and we get to the Moxley and Kingston versus the Young Bucks match and Billy goes, "Is it, are Moxley and Kingston still friends? And I went, you know, I would bet they still are, son. Uh, but I don't really know. And... <laughs> Uh, I said, but I would assume so. They're just doing different things right now. But when Jericho brings up Kingston's wife, Moxley's music hits, and Billy's so satisfied because he felt like, hey, I just asked about this thing. And here's John Moxley eh, who coming to the aid and coming to, the, to defend the honor of his friend Eddie Kingston. Great shit here. I feel like they did leave it like just the right amount of time with them being separated that you'd ask like you would ask the question it's like oh are they still a, t a thing because they teamed for the, the bones of a year basically it's like yeah. are they still pals and you would just because he's uh, you know mox is off doing his, his black hole combat club stuff and you would be like are they still pals and then the second you ask that question because listen i wanted homicide and hernandez i wanted the ogs and lax uniting yeah, so and blood and guts, but i'll take black hole combat club that's who i've been hoping for the whole time of uh 
it felt like that's where this had to head is obviously they wouldn't have the name LAX and I still feel like that piece is missing but you you've already had homicide in this company the only person you haven't had is Hernandez and so this all you, you even had Conan like around LAX so mm -hmm. all the pieces were there all of that could have been pulled off I still feel like you can but uh instead Blackpool Combat Club makes their way out and then Eddie Kingston and Santana and Ortiz surface and suddenly it went from the traditional five on three to six on five seven if you include regal yeah and that's right regal threw a punch so you can uh and finally the jericho appreciation society um didn't have the numbers advantage and it bit them we got a couple of super chats bringing this up vance winblade says i called it last week bcc as mercs for lax versus jas orion ben 666 says point to will's son chip off the old block I mean, yeah, he's eight years old and is just as obsessed with this stuff as me. Matter of fact, um, fun fact about my son, he has just recently been playing a lot of WWE 2K22. Yesterday, um, he... I guess it's because he's overheard my stories. But he decided to unlock Hulk Hogan just to beat him up with black wrestlers, which I think is fucking hilarious. Yes, good, good. <laughs> That is tremendous stuff. He was playing as Keith Lee yesterday, just like beating the <laughs> shit out of Hogan. Well, first he lost. Like, he was shocked because it just doesn't compute in my son's head that a leg drop is a finisher. And so he gets hit with this leg drop by <laughs> Hogan. Problem. Yeah. And, I, and I'm it's watching over drop. his shoulder, and I was like, oh, he's totally about to pin you. And he's like, no, it was just a leg drop. And then it's one, two, three, and he goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, no. And he goes, and... Uh, uh, and he restarts the match. It's literally all just happened yesterday. It was great shit. Um, and that is because my son's heard me talk about Hogan being a racist. And this isn't like stuff I've talked to with him because this kid is eight. What the hell does he even need to know of Hogan's existence? But uh, he does. You know, it's funny. Phil Van Twinblade, uh, it kind of being funny because he says, go Will Jr. But his name is actually William Jr., uh, that's where Billy comes from. Um, so, this was fun, though. But you know what else was fun? Blood and guts. Oh, wait, no, you're going on to the next segment. <laughs> yeah, going to the next segment. Tony Storm <laughs> took on Yami Hater. Yeah, good little match. Those two have great theme songs. Like... Really great theme songs. I, I love, love haters in particular. Hey, hey, yeah. Yeah, Jamie Hater's theme is great. It's, it's like, great. Dur, 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 It's so dur. great. I, I love the way it kicks in. It, it's It's got a very Euro feel to it. It and... does. I was just thinking it's a Eurovision song. <laughs> <laughs> there. There it is. And I only learned what Eurovision was at the top of the show. Um, but... Although somebody's probably going to point to an old RBR podcast because people do that to me where I learned what Eurovision was because now that I'm saying this out loud, I realize this probably happened in the last 17 years of podcasting. But regardless, uh, yeah. I, but then I also really love Tony Storm's theme and uh, just the way that they both feel like actual songs is great. And uh, this match was also very good. It was a no compromises kind of match to me. I... I just felt like these two went out there and did what they needed to do with the time they got in this tournament. And I thought they delivered quite well. 
yeah, good physical intense match. It's a shame like like these matches always have to earn the crowd response. And it's partially because they don't get as much time on Dynamite as everybody else right. does. So they, they have to earn these reactions. So it's like there is the universal thing in AEW, like women's match, opening bell, silence. And like these women, these women are pretty much... There was a dueling chant at the beginning, though. There was a Jamie Hayter, Tony Storm, which I thought was kind of interesting between them. But mm. they, as they worked up, I feel like they got way more of the crowd. Yeah. And like they nearly always do earn it because like Jamie Hayter and, and Tony Storm, two very good professional wrestlers, they yeah. can earn it. But hopefully they, they do get to the stage where they are at the Brit level where they just organically get a response. Because yeah. um, I think there's a lot of people in the division that are that good to get to that level. It's just a matter of giving them the time and platform to do it. I agree. And, and yeah, I thought that the uh, I thought it was physical. I thought that it felt like uh that these two were just doing everything they could to win. Um, I loved how the storm zero came out of nowhere uh, mm. and led to the victory for Tony storm. I was really into this. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Good match. Good match. And all of a sudden now Jamie haters out, but next week, Britt Baker, she has the Joker. Who could it be? Even though this whole tournament is not card themed, so why is it called the Joker? <laughs> they Sorry. love their unnecessary card <laughs> themes, don't they? Even when I... they do like a Joker battle royals at like Revolution or whatever, it's like that's not Vegas themed anymore. Why are you still doing the cards? Right. Uh, <laughs> like shout out to Barry Murphy, <laughs> but when he uh, he said that when he first pointed out that I think it was like a year ago, he's like it's totally become like. Uh, <laughs> It's just become the the universal term in AEW for mystery person is the Joker. And so it's like uh, when somebody gets released, it's just the gif of I'm going to become the Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because (laughs) who could it be? Don't know. Um, Who are your guesses for the Joker on the men's side and women's? The women's side, I think, is easier. I think it's probably Athena, right? I know people think maybe some stardom rep or something like that, but I think the Joker match is in Houston, isn't it? So that that adds up. In terms of men's side, I don't know, Claudio? But that doesn't seem that likely, especially because he's facing Joe. So it, it, like the Claudio thing would work because it's a Ring of Honor tie-in, but then Joe is losing to whoever shows up, which would be weird. I don't know. The men's side is... So, again, Gargano is the other one people might throw out there. Is like, Joe and Gargano is a weird match. That's like an NXT nostalgia feud right there. Two years of NXT against each other. I feel like on the women's side, um, there's very few options it really could be that would make a splash. Um, I think, like Mia Yim uh, was one of them, and she just showed up in Impact last she, weekend. And so. She signed with Impact. And, uh, of course, yeah, Athena is one of those names that could be out there, um, I guess. And I've seen people throw out Mickey James um, mm. as a name that would definitely be a shocker. Um, and then on the men's side, I can tell you who I want it to be. Oh. Because if we're going to get a debut on the women's side, give me Miro on the men's. Give me oh, somebody yeah. returning uh, on the men's side. And let's just move forward with that. Also, Miro and Joe, that's a match. Yeah, like all of a sudden, uh, that's something different. That's something cool. That's what I would want to see. And I think that would also be very crowd-pleasing and give people a, it's still a moment, but a moment of an AEW return rather than debut. Mm. 
And Miro's ready, right? He's been ready for a while, hasn't he? It's just a matter of like the creative. I think so. And who wouldn't? Who knows? Maybe the creative the whole time was, yeah, you're going to be the mystery person in the tournament. So mm. we're going to wait till we start the tournament. Which is funny because last time we saw him was losing in the finals of the tournament. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and so finally, oh, and that match gets a B for me, by the way, the uh, women's um, Owen Hart Cup match. Same. And finally, well, look at us. We're mostly on the same page, except for that. Yeah, other than me throwing out S's like a, a Dave Meltzer, New Japan, Tokyo don't match. You're, yes. We're relatively <laughs> on the same page. Uh, but the main event, which I apparently don't have the graphic for, because I'm looking at all my graphics and I'm like, I'm missing one. But uh, it is, it was, uh, th- so they had a promo earlier in the show. They had a video package, um, basically Jeff Hardy and Darby talking about why this is a dream match, Jeff Hardy. And it's true, right? Like Jeff Hardy had mentioned in interviews uh, for years prior that he's seen Darby's stuff and thinks Darby's really cool. Even if you listen to every single Darby Allen match, Jim Ross calls him an enigma on commentary for like three years of AEW. He's like, the enigma, Darby Allen. JR knows what he's doing there. Yep. And so you had Jeff Hardy, who's been studying Darby. Darby, who said he looked up to Jeff. Uh, this, This is the perfect definition of a dream match. But they said that, uh, he said, I've asked Tony. Tony, just do it. Throw out the rules for one night in this tournament. Let's make it a no rules match. uh, No disqualifications. Anything goes. Which is, he wouldn't want to see Darby and and, uh, Hardy any other way. And they announced later in the show that that's what it's going to be. Anything goes. And this match, everything went. Uh, they immediately went to the floor, went out, got the chairs, the ladders, and this match was basically back-to-back big-ass spots from all of them because I don't know why people are just now noticing that Jeff Hardy has been limited for, like, three years. Uh, Longer than and- that, honestly, because, like, it's people think that he's getting old. It's kind of not really that. If you go back and watch, like, 2014 TNA, he was still, like, great properly great and then he had that leg break in that motocross accident where he broke his leg and i, I mm-hmm. don't think he's ever quite been the same like as the top tier worker ever since he came back in what 2016 after that leg break and obviously yeah. he's, he's getting older so that's naturally he's going to slow down as he gets older but i think like people are always like oh he's getting old and broken down from all these bumps he's taking and i don't need to think that's the case i think he just broke his leg in a horrible motocross accident yeah and like um you know i i mean obviously Social media is going to put it on AEW much quicker, but like it was WWE wasn't letting him have more than like two to three minute matches for years. Uh, mm-hmm. Going back to 2018, he was like very quickly eliminated from the Elimination Chamber. He came in, he was out. Uh, it was like that's how they were doing Jeff Hardy. It was very much a there was a lot of smoke and mirrors around his stuff. And I think this was another case of. Okay, Jeff Hardy's going to need some smoke and mirrors for this match. And uh, this match had that. Uh, this was basically just a bunch of big spots. And the big spots more so relied on Darby than Jeff. Yeah, there was the the spot, the, the swanton to the stairs. Um, that's a little... As long as your aim is okay, that's a little... <laughs> that's a lot less... Uh, of I mean, that, it's a stunt. It's a good stunt. Um, but I feel like people kind of pro clutch over that one a lot worse than they uh, actually should. 
Mm. TNA put a pad on the stairs. TNA clearly a safer company than AW. <laughs> <laughs> the worst one Jeff ever took is when he was it was Hardy's against Revolution. It was Storm and Abyss in a cage match. And Jeff was like sitting on the cage door. The cage was open, kind of dangling over the floor. Storm hit him with a cowbell. Jeff fell off onto the steps off a cage door. And it looked like he had died. It was one of those classic because right. Jeff Hardy couldn't go to the UK. So it was those classic, we got to write Jeff Hardy off for a month. So we're going to have him look like he falls off a cage and dies for it. So he's not around for a while. Hey, the the spots in this match, though. Mm. Beautiful. Um, Dar- Darby, also, of like, course. Come- listen, he took, he did a, like a, a swanton off a freaking humongous ladder. That ladder was huge. But like mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, it was modestly safe, I would say. Uh, like which which spot are we talking about the Darby spot or the Jeff one? The Darby one, the Swanton, even the Jeff one. Oh yeah, is, yeah. Is, oh, oh yeah, with Darby onto the chairs. Yeah. Um Yes. So yeah, that one's freaked a lot of people out. Uh, mm. And but like, look, Darby's been at this shit for a long time. Is he gonna kill himself? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't fucking yeah. know. But like, <laughs> I'm at a point where. I'm definitely not going to clutch the pearls over this one. I just enjoy the shit. And uh Darby that like that that ladder spot the the ladder onto the chairs it looked insane and it looked great and that's one of those spots that you're going to see AEW run forever because it did look fucking awesome. Yeah, it's like the Triple X or Elix Skipper cage walk. It's that thing where it's like it's stupid. Like if he falls, he's dead. It's yes. it's tiny, narrow, this thin walk in it, but he hits it and he's immortal. And it's the same thing with Darby Allen. It's like, and even like the degree. As I said, I don't think the degree of danger of that ladder to Swanton to the floor is like that off the charts. It looks insane, but I don't think it's like that dangerous once Jeff catches him. You know, mm-hmm. well, as and... if there's there's much riskier high flying or or like insane moves you see in matches like these. And and Jeff did like that's the thing is Jeff was very quick Jeff ve- like I don't know don't want to spoil the magic but like you see Jeff very quickly it has his arms out and and had him um, it looked great though uh, it yeah. completely looked great uh, and they continued on Jeff gets hit with a coffin drop on the uh, the the ring apron and he hits another coffin drop uh, into the ring. But call back to No Mercy 2008, where Jeff I saw Hardy... you post that. By the way, that's a deep cut. <laughs> Jeff Hardy got beat by by Hunter that night uh, after getting hit with the Swanton, one of my least favorite endings of all time. Uh, but Jeff Hardy apparently knew and uh, beat Darby the same way. Jeff won the belt the next month, didn't he? Two months later, like Two months I could have lived. Yeah. I could have lived with jeff losing that match at no mercy if the rematch he won against hunter because it was a match Mm -hmm. where you know he he had hunter beat but hunter with the last gasp uh managed to pin jeff for the victory could live with that then at cyber sunday they set the fans up to vote for jeff and i don't think they were ready for jeff to win the title yet so of course the fans vote for jeff so they did the rematch jeff hardy versus triple h Jeff Hardy loses fucking clean. Like, clean as a sheet. Pedigree. One, two, three. It's over. Really, Jeff should not have gotten another shot after that. No. And then... So, it was, yeah. And then what? Survivor Series happens. 
And that was where they bait and switched the fans, where it was supposed to be the triple threat between Kozlov, Hunter, and Jeff. And uh, Jeff is delayed in the arena, and they end up inserting Edge, who wins the belt. And then they did the triple threat at Armageddon, where Hunter or Jeff Hardy wins. They stalled that out so long, like honestly. And keeping in mind that that survive or the No Mercy match, the one with that victory, came after Jeff almost had the belt won at Unforgiven in the championship scramble for the WWE title. There's so much with Jeff where they were like just kicking that can down the road until it finally happened. It was the uh, classic, like by the time he won it, I, I don't think I'd even like stick as I would have been what that was away. So I would have been 16. I don't even think I stayed up for that paper. It's like high school in the morning. I can't stay up for the show. And but then like the next morning, I was like, God damn it. Jeff actually won. I, I remember thinking the same thing. I thought I'm going to watch this, but like, like halfway pay attention to it. And uh, because it's just another, you know, title defense. We've just seen this. Wait a minute. Jeff Hardy fucking won. Are you kidding me? Which like, if you heard the Freddie Prince Jr. Stories talked about this on Grap City this week, but Freddie Prince Jr. Talked about he was talking Vince into that Jeff Hardy win as late as the day of Armageddon. And Hunter was fighting it as late as the day of Armageddon. <laughs> so God damn it, Paul. <laughs> so, uh, but either way, Darby wins or Darby loses. And, uh, I even had a bet with my kids and I was the wrong one. Uh, I had said Darby. My son had said Darby Veda. My daughter had said Jeff, and she's running around screaming. She's like, I was right. I was right. And I thought, yeah, you were. Yeah. And how? Like, I thought that was the easy pick of Darby. Until, until the Undisputed Elite came out at the top of the ramp to stare down everybody in the ring. And I see Adam Cole, which, like, the, the story that's supposed to be told here is Adam Cole, that's his next opponent next week, Jeff Hardy. Adam Cole, Jeff Hardy. But behind him are the Young Bucks, who they keep quietly hinting at want the match with the Hardys. And on BTE, they've been blatantly saying they want the match with the Hardys. But even if you've just been watching TV, it's been vaguely hinted. The Hardys and the Young Bucks want the match. And it hit me. This is the catalyst for it, isn't it? This is how they're going to set this up is Jeff Hardy next weekend with Adam Cole, but the Hardys interfere in some way, shape, or form, which then leads the Hardys to challenge the Young Bucks. Yeah. Well, I looked at it like in a vacuum, in a vacuum, I'd be like, well, Darby has to win, right? He has to beat mm -hmm. Jeff Hardy, right? Yes. But when you do look at the, the booking permutations, especially even if you don't consider the stories coming out of it, it's if you're choosing just a person to lose to Adam Cole, whether it's Jeff Hardy or Darby Allen, I probably choose Jeff Hardy, even in that instance. It's like, I think it makes more sense for Darby to lose to Jeff and then Jeff to lose to Adam Cole as I nearly knocked the camera over. Um, <laughs> but, um, as opposed to Darby to beat Jeff and then lose to Adam Cole, I think you protect like Adam Cole against Darby as a match, and you don't put Darby over Adam Cole, which would be I think a weirder result. And you can go back to Jeff and Darby down the line as well. So again, in a vacuum, I was said you kind of have to put Darby over Jeff, but in the booking scenario they put together, it makes sense. Yes, and so that was Dynamite. I actually had a lot of fun with the show. There was not a single segment where I walked away like, oh, I. I could do without that and remove that from the show. I actually enjoyed this. Uh, and it's been a while because last week's episode mm. was weird. Um, this week was just great. 
Yeah, there's been a lot of dynamites lately where it's like they're very, very, very rarely bad. Like you, mm-hmm. actually bad dynamites are like literally one in a hundred. It's probably those are the actual odds of actual bad mm-hmm. dynamites. But there has been a lot of dynamites lately where it's like I have watched that now and I enjoyed most of it, but also I'm never going to think about any of it again. And Whereas, this was not one of those episodes. No, not at all. Like the the Jericho Appreciation Society segment, like for what it was, it was perfect to set up what eventual Blood and Guts match they do. For the, the Wardlow and MGF segment, I loved. I thought it was a perfect piece of pro wrestling. Great opener, great main event, exactly what you'd want both matches to be. And then everything else was ranged from good to very good. It was, I think, one of the best Dynamites since probably the Keith Lee debut show. Which is a great show. That's uh, one of the only S-tiers I've given out on this show. So, uh... so yeah, that was what, February? Yeah. Yeah, so best show in three months. You can't really give out about that. Yeah, I, and I'm happy. I was happy with it. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was Day After Dynamite. Say, how did this show do ratings-wise? As if I don't already know, but I'm going to pretend... Uh, the, the, like way, the way you pivoted there, you, I thought you were talking about like literally Day After Dynamite. It's like, how did Day After Dynamite do in the ratings? <laughs> Let's see here. Day After Dynamite. So anyway, Dynamite did... Uh, 840 so again not a great week for dynamite uh i guess comparatively i am curious to where it ranked um but uh and my guess is if i were to venture a guess for where it ranked i'm gonna bet fourth uh let's see fifth fifth is it just entirely behind nba coverage though yeah nba coverage no it was beaten by real housewives of beverly hills those beverly hills housewives big draw in the demo yeah, big draw in the demo. Actually, like, actually, they almost tied in the demo. Um, but man, the the female disparity is massive <laughs> between Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and uh, Dynamite. So Dynamite got some work to do. Um, I mean, we'll see how it does coming out of the NBA playoffs, but got some work to do uh, coming up here. Mm. And when, uh, when are the playoffs over? I don't know basketball. Um. Usually beginning of June. Uh, so, yeah, because the playoffs usually, or the finals start in June. Um, but those are on network television, not on cable. And uh, also, they're, the finals are usually fewer and far between because there's not multiple games. Um, whereas we still, we're still at the point of having multiple games on a night. Uh, and yeah, and I watched the basketball last night, so I, I can't say any different. <laughs> You tanked AEW's rating single-handedly. Single-handedly. Uh, and I guess looking at year over year. So this is this is going to be a really tricky year over year. Because basically May and April are going to look way down year over year for like every wrestling show. And then for June are going to look crazy up because of the NBA. Because last year the NBA playoffs were actually delayed multiple months because of the pandemic and therefore the nba playoffs were in june last year so therefore everything is down this may and then it's going to be way up in june um that's my prediction for all of that and that's across all the wrestling companies but hey garrett this is the first time i podcasted with you despite knowing you for years it's the same way that uh as jeremy just mentioned this is the first time i've ever even done a video podcast this is a scoop for you i've i'm, I'm venturing out into different mediums with it's video it's the best i love video podcasting um and i don't know that, that's it, that's <laughs> yeah. it for, uh, you can see my face 
That's right. What do you, what do you want to plug, Garrett? And, and here's the thing. I would say the majority of people are still listening to this via audio, but uh, still, what do you want to plug? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidney. My name is down there on the 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 there. There you go. That's my name. Follow me there on Twitter. You can listen if you like the sound of my voice, but don't want to see the sound side of my face. You can listen to my own podcast, which is you've got to be kidding me, which is a TNA history podcast where we go through TNA one month at a time. We're currently in February two thousand four, which just had the CM Punk and Teddy Hart fight, which is a <laughs> An infamous moment in wrestling history. So, uh, Tia, uh, you've got to be kidding me on your podcast platform of choice. You can search uh, zombiewcw.com. <laughs> I bought that URL this week. Thanks, Tony Khan. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, if you go to zombiewcw.com, you'll go to the um, link tree for the podcast where all the links to the <laughs> podcast platforms are there and the Patreon's there too. So, if you'd like to double down, you sure can. And also, I have a video game podcast linked to the cast. Search that on your podcast the platform of choice as well. There you go. All plugged out. Yes. And don't forget to check out Grap City this Saturday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That's uh, on YouTube.com slash Fightful. Hey, join me next week. I'll be joined by um, the first person I ever, ever asked to host a podcast with me. That's right, folks. Anthony Scats is joining me on uh, Day After Dynamite next week. Uh, I hosted RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk with him from 2005 till 2007. Um, and again, he was the first person I ever asked when I was thinking of starting a podcast in 2005. So uh, Anthony Scats, one of my close friends, I'm happy to be hosting with him again next week on Day After Dynamite. Uh, until then, folks, uh, that's it. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. Peace. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.